Most years at this time, I find it a struggle to preach about how Advent is about waiting and watching, anticipating in the midst of expectant darkness. It's a hard message because usually at this time, everything is ramping up into a frenzy. There are parties and tree lightings and all kinds of sparkling things everywhere. And so Advent is a countercultural message to speak of slowing down to await the coming of the Christ child who incidentally won't come until Christmas and Christmas is not here yet. But this year is a little bit different. As the sunlight that we see is becoming more scarce at this time, the air is getting colder, and we are also seeing a daunting increase of people getting sick from COVID, hardening of unemployment numbers, and general fatigue of the long months of living with this pandemic. One of the few good things about now is that we can better relate to the scene in which Jesus first appeared in the Gospels. A world in darkness. A world in expectation. A world longing for good news. The first line of the Gospel of Mark says a lot in just a few words. But first, let me set the scene about this Gospel. Mark's account is believed by most scholars to be the first of the Gospels to be set down. And you can imagine the people who had heard the stories of Jesus' lives, of his life told to them by others who, who knew these stories, but had never been set down from start to finish. And Mark set about doing that, and scholars believe that he knew Peter, and that is where he got his stories to share about the life of Jesus. They also believe that he probably wrote this gospel in Rome, and that the gospel was completed and distributed for the first time after Peter had been killed in Rome by the emperor Nero. So you can imagine that living room where it was heard for the first time, and during those days, literacy was very low. It was probably 15% at most. And people huddled together in that room, and somebody who knew how to read picking up the text and opening it up, 16 chapters to come about the life of Jesus. Everybody is listening, and he begins with that first line of the entire gospel that we just heard, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Notice that's the first sentence, but it's not even really a sentence. There's no subject and no object, and in fact, perhaps... That wasn't the first line of the gospel, but maybe that was the title for what was about to happen, the beginning of the good news. And this phrase, good news, when people heard it for the first time, that would have been a familiar phrase, but in a totally different way. That word in Greek was evangelion. Sounds like evangelical. Evangelion, good news. And it was used when the emperor wanted to herald some good news, but it's important to note that the good news then that the emperor wanted to share with the people, well, who was the good news good for? It was good for the empire. For example, good news, the emperor has his birthday today. Or good news, we've just conquered an entire city. That was the evangelion. 
And Luke takes that phrase and uses it in a new way. It's not good news for the empire. It is good news for us. Good news for the world. That is what the gospel means. And then he takes another important phrase. He says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There was somebody else who was known as that title, the Son of God. It was the emperor himself, the Caesar. He was literally believed to be and spoken of as the Son of God. And when Mark uses that phrase, right after the phrase, the good news, there is no mistake. He is talking about where true authority lies. And in that is good news. And you can imagine the people who are gathered in that living room, probably in Rome, having heard those stories before and now about to hear the whole story, he would have their full attention. It's important to point out also that in the ancient mindset, a new day begins not when the sun comes up in the morning, but actually the day begins when the sun goes down on the previous day. If you've ever observed the way that Sabbath is kept, it's always with the sun going down. That's the beginning. And so here in our church calendar, it makes sense that this is when the new year begins. It's not when the light starts increasing. It's actually as we get deepest into the darkness, as the days go go further into that night mode. It's not unlike how a plant begins its life when the seed goes down into the ground. And something invisible is already taking root. We just can't see it. This time is like that. It is the beginning of the good news. Our part is to begin to look for that light, even though it is hard to see, because it is already present. The prophets point us to this light in its earliest glimmers because they are the ones blessed with the eyes to see. They are always the ones who can see it before the rest of us. They can see the real light of God as opposed to the false lights of the world that often blind the rest of us. John the Baptist here in these opening verses in Mark, he points to the light coming into the world in God's Son. We also allow ourselves to experience that light as it comes upon the darkness. In fact, I believe that the darkness has a certain gift to it. If you think about when you go into the night time and you have no light to distract you, your eyes actually open up more fully. You can behold light better in the midst of darkness. Just like our hearts, I think, are more capable of feeling compassion and love and sharing it when we open ourselves to the real darkness that surrounds our brothers and sisters, especially at a time like this. A number of years ago, my wife Sarah and I had moved from New York City to Los Angeles. And we were relatively newly wed at that time, and we had an infant. And my wife Sarah had a job that required her to go back to New York, Uh, somewhat frequently, and so while our child was a little baby and was still nursing, um, we decided it made sense for me to come along and be the Manny on some of those trips. And so it was a real privilege to be able to 
um, lug around all the stuff that you have to lug around when you have a baby. And even though we had lived in New York and it was a familiar place to me, it was an unfamiliar experience to have all of that gear, you know, the diaper bag and the folding stroller and the big, strangely heavy um, little carriage that, that you hold her in, or the, um, the carrier. And I found in New York something I'd never experienced before. People opened doors for me. Strangers struck up conversations. Um, it was a beautiful, and at the same time as it was hard, it was a beautiful experience. And this happened actually during the season of Advent. And I remember one dark night when I had climbed into a public bus with all of that gear and was kind of making my way to try to find some sort of a seat. And we were in Midtown. Went right by the Rockefeller Center tree. You could see it. If you crouched down and looked up, you could see all those lights. And you could see the sparkling commerce and the busyness of the world all swirling around. But as the bus continued on its journey and we got a little further down to downtown, it started to thin out. And there was a woman who spoke to me and she noticed the baby and, and what I was doing and she said that she remembered those days when she was a young mother and was on public transit and dealing with all of those things and she said that she remembered it was hard. And then she gestured to the person who appeared to be her mother who was asleep next to her and quietly she said, this is harder. There was no bitterness, and it seemed to me that she was making a statement with these words of her love, and what love means. That in the toil and the darkness of caring for another in difficult times, there is to be discovered a mingling of purpose, and sacrifice, and treasure. In his book, The Longing for Home, Frederick Buechner writes, we live in a broken world, a world shattered by wars, famine, political upheaval. We are citizens of a nation that in all its history has perhaps never been so dramatically confronted as it is now by its brokenness. A nation whose streets are littered by the bodies of the homeless and where the gap between the rich and the poor widens every year. Bickner incidentally wrote these words 25 years ago. He continues, For all its horrors, the world is not ultimately a horror show because, as Jesus tells us, the world has the kingdom buried in it like a treasure buried in a field, like leaven working in dough, like a seed germinating in the earth, like whatever it was in the heart of the prodigal son that finally brought him home. The question is, how is it possible for us not just to glimpse that buried kingdom, but to unbury and become it? The seed has been planted in the darkness. 
Only the eyes of a few who have eyes like prophets can see how its light is growing already in us all. Remember the opening verse of Mark's gospel, which is not a sentence, but probably a title. A wise professor that I once knew asked the question, perhaps when Mark writes the beginning of the good news, it is not just a title to the first part of the gospel, but perhaps it is a title to the entire work, all 16 chapters. The whole gospel then is just the beginning of the good news of Jesus. The completion of the good news is for our lives now. Amen.